0: F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel, The Great Gatsby, first published in 1925, is a classic of American literature. It's an evergreen story of love and jealousy, wealth and status, and the promise and perils of the American dream, all taking place during the 1920s in the U.S., the Jazz Age, that brief respite between the end of World War I and the start of the Great Depression. The book inspired five film versions, the latest a 2013 release starring Leonardo DiCaprio in the title role, and now the story comes to the Oregon stage, adapted by Portland playwright and CABU alumnus Maeve Z. O'Connor and directed by Laurie Ann Schmidt. The play is currently in its final week of performances tonight, February 8th through this Saturday, February 10th, at the Albany Civic Theater in Albany, Oregon. And we're fortunate to have Maeve and Lorianne with us to talk about the book, the stage production, and the timelessness of the story's themes. Maeve and Lorianne, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for, for having us. us. Well, Maeve, let's start with you. Uh, you're a cable alumnus, and I'm so happy and proud to be talking with you for today's In Depth. You volunteered here about seven years ago, I think, uh, as part of the Youth Collective?
1: Yes. Uh, I started the Youth Collective when I was about Oh gosh uh way too young to be trusted with radio equipment like a fresh 14 maybe
0: Uh, i know well they trust me with radio equipment so their (laughs) their judgment is not the best but (laughs) you're probably better at it now you were involved with theater before you started at kboo and your first acting credit came when you were just nine years old for a portland playhouse production of bloody bloody andrew jackson which i looked up it's a rock musical and that was followed by more on-stage appearances, including several years in the annual production of A Christmas Carol that Portland Playhouse puts on. When did you start writing the plays in addition to appearing in them?
1: Oh, I feel like I've always been writing. I think the moment when you can look at like a piece of my work and go, no, that is recognizably a play. That is formatted as a play. That is intended to be on a stage. Starts when I'm about eight or nine. So around the time when I'm on the stage, I think the idea starts to get in my head and, you know, little Maeve goes, I could probably write the directions for this. I don't think I produced a, like, finished, this could be on its feet, you could charge money to see this until I was 16.
0: And let's talk about that, the adaptation of The Great Gatsby. It debuted actually last year at the Village Home Education Resource Center in Beaverton, Oregon, not far from where I live. And Laurieann, you're associated with Village Home. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and what you do there?
2: Yes, I have been with Village Home for about 14 years now, and I have taught there. I've been on the board. I've been a campus director for one of their satellite campuses, and I've been doing theater there for a really long time.
0: Is that where you first met Maeve?
2: Yes, that's where I first met Maeve. I was very excited to have met a fellow theater buff and somebody who I consider a kindred spirit in the theater world. And I was super excited to take all of our thespian troupe, to go see Maeve's production in the Portland Center Stage's PDX Playwrights' Fertile Ground. And uh, that was really exciting to go see Leaving Manzanita. And I'm telling you, the kids and I, we talked about it all the way home. It was amazing and relevant and mysterious and had lots of lots of things to talk about. And I was just blown away and thrilled. So I looked for the first opportunity I could to produce more of Maeve's work. Were
0: you the one who commissioned the adaptation of The Great Gatsby?
2: I did. I did. I've always wanted to have a, a, a rendition of this that is, first of all, truer to the book and second of all, truer to the characters that are written. And the one and only adaptation that was authorized by the family is uh, dated and old. And it it just doesn't read uh, in a relevant
0: way anymore for audiences of today. That's authorized by the F. Scott Fitzgerald estate? Yes. Their family? Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. And it was written... A long time ago and it reflects the values of that time and i was really thrilled to know that it was coming into public domain and so ahead of that i worked and talked with maeve about adapting it for modern audiences
0: and i know you've been active in theater like Maeve, from the time you were in grade school yes. and you took on a number of roles from acting to costume and lights to stage manager was this your first directorial role, uh, directing no, May's is, play?
2: No, this is probably my 50th or so, maybe. Directing. Oh,
0: okay. You, well, you're a veteran director. <laughs> Talking about adaptation itself, uh, obviously, The Great Gatsby is such a well-known classic of American literature, read or assigned at least in many high schools across the country. And there have been several popular movie versions through the years. I mentioned in the intro the Leonardo DiCaprio one from 2013. Maeve, were you a little intimidated at all when adapting Gatsby for the stage?
1: yes and no. I think any kind of adaptation is such a like beast of a project because I think as a writer, other people's work is holy to you. You know, you understand this like huge, soul-bearing process of getting a finished product pulled together and presenting it out to people. You understand how hard that is and what has to go into that. And so to take that and say, no, I'm I'm going to bring this farther for you. I'm going to retool this for you. I'm going to change the format of this for you is not to be taken lightly. You know, it's a big undertaking, whether or not it's F Scott Fitzgerald or a seventh graders work from last week, if it meant something to them, then that's also a holy undertaking to me. And so uh, of course I approached it with this, this, thought process of how do I keep the true spirit of this alive and not, you know, contort it to just serve whatever purpose I want it to serve. I think it's interesting that you bring up movies because my policy with books is if there's a book and I'm adapting that or I'm writing a paper on that or I'm interacting with that, that is the only thing I'm interacting with. I'm not looking at movie adaptations. I'm not looking at TV adaptations. Um, In some cases, I'm not even reading interviews or any kind of engagement with the author until I'm done with a rough draft.
0: So you didn't see the latest version, well, of course, uh, over 10 years old now, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie version?
1: Well, I've seen it now. Uh, Oh, okay, but not before before adapting.
0: so. So, So that challenge is not only staying true to the writer's intent, but also adding, of course, your creative spark to it. And it's a story of love, also power, most of it held by the male characters in the book, especially given the time period. In your version, did you try to balance that when writing some of the female characters, especially uh, Daisy Buchanan, who's kind of the lead female character, Gatsby's love interest in the book?
1: I think that when I talk about Gatsby, I bring up power and I bring up privilege. And if we want to talk about Daisy, I don't think we can even say a word about her without pulling from those two axes, right? Daisy operates at this intersection of having this huge class privilege and having this huge wealth privilege and just the utter amount of doors that are open to you being a young, beautiful, wealthy white woman in New York society in the twenties. Right. But at the same time, there is one person, one entity that you will always, always have to answer to. And that is your husband, the sort of, you know, almost stand in for God sort of patriarchal um, um, pillar. That's the word I was looking for. There is this sort of patriarchal pillar that is almost like a stand in for God, for the word of God. And we talk about God a lot in the great Gatsby and Dr. Eckelberg. And I think Daisy's God is man. And she is so horribly upset about that fact And who could blame her? I would be very upset too. I think you know, as easy as it is to be mad at her and to hate her for her actions in this book and for her refusal to take any responsibility for them, I think you have to look at her sympathetically or else the story means nothing. You know, you have to think here is this woman who is at the mercy of her husband and at the mercy of the society that her husband perpetuates. And what else could you possibly expect of her other than what she's working with?
0: Now, Lorianne, what's the appeal of The Great Gatsby for you, the story itself? And were you seeing some of those same themes that Maeve worked on in the adaptation?
2: Right. I really was hoping for a daisy that was three-dimensional, that was not just a cardboard cutout and discounted. I think that A lot of times Daisy is thought of or written about as this victim of her circumstance. And while she is certainly a victim of her marital and privileged circumstance, she also has feelings and thoughts and desires and all kinds of emotions around her situation. And one of the things that I absolutely love is how she describes having a daughter. And her hope for her daughter is that she's a pretty little fool, because that's all you can expect to be in this world. And I think that juxtaposes the fact that she's not a pretty little fool. She knows exactly what's happening, but feels powerless to change the world around her or the society.
0: How did you collaborate with Maeve on the adaptation and staging for the theater? Maeve, I think you might have been in New York at the time when Laurieann was staging it for Albany Civic.
2: I think that uh, the big part of the collaboration is really the material. And as directors, we usually don't get to meet our playwrights. Uh, I would love to meet Lauren Gunderson, but I haven't. (laughs) and probably never will but yet I'll still direct her work. So I think that as directors we come to a project using the text really as our as our gospel and the text that Maeve provided was so rich and so uh gave so many clues to what she was looking for in the production that I found it very easy to, to work with this material.
1: I was going to add that I gave them exactly two really hard and fast production notes. Cause I really feel that as Lorianne is saying, you know, my job kind of not ends but my hand of god kind of ends at the end of the text and that's really all i can give them and beyond that it's up to the director but i left two notes in the script and they are one i didn't want to see any usage of the color green on stage at all whatsoever except gatsby's green light when it falls across the stage and oh uh, is that to add emphasis
0: to the green light
1: Yes, yes. I, I think it should be the only time we ever see the color because this is very true of the novel too. F. Scott Fitzgerald will talk around describing the color green unless he's talking about the green light. I never um, noticed
0: that. And I've read the novel several times. Yeah, boy, yeah. What, what, you're a very observant reader.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so that's note number one. And note number two is that uh, the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckleburg should never go away. They should always, always be there. And so that's really all I gave them. And everything else is just Lorianne's beautiful brainchild.
0: <laughs> now, Maeve, uh, though Gatsby is set in New York in the 1920s, America's Jazz Age, do you see any parallels uh, with what's happening in the country today? Maybe some of our Gatsbys, our Elon Musk's, our Mark Zuckerberg's?
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think really the moral of the great Gatsby is right there. Uh, they hand it to us. Gatsby's new money, Right. Gatsby, I think, if he were alive today, would own a tech startup. <laughs> um, <you know. laughs> he doesn't come from this like old, old oil money, even though, you know, in the the novel, he is new oil money back when that was a thing. He is new money, which means that he occupies a different position of status uh, compared to anybody else that we deal with. All of these other high society people in the novel, the Buchanans, the other supporting characters who come and go out of those parties, hold more influence and more power than Gatsby, even though they might have technically less money because no amount of new money buys you status. Do you know what I mean? No amount of the tech startup worked buys you access to these like little hidden pieces of New York and of the world that say the Buchanans can just walk into whether or not their last business deal goes through. Um, I think it's a really, really big parable about, who holds the keys to what doors
0: Yeah in fact it's it uh, seems age old at least in America my wife and I are watching the gilded age a hbo series it's the very same thing it's the new money from the railroad barons up against the uh, the old money of uh, new york city society
2: I think the thing that makes gatsby so timeless is exactly that power privilege And this idea that people with privilege can be careless and not just careless where you misplace things, but careless with people's lives. And I think that that is a timeless tale that sadly is still relevant and will continue to be relevant as long as we continue to feed that privilege.
0: Well, Lorianne, there's still three performances left for uh, listeners to catch, and if they can't make it down to Albany, there's a live stream, an on-demand live stream available through the end of the month. Where can we find out more about The Great Gatsby and purchase tickets for the performances and maybe the live stream?
2: Well, we have a great website called albanycivic.org. Don't go to Albany Civic Theater because that is the one in New York. Uh, upstate New York, but albanycivic.org is where you can get tickets and information about the performances. We have a performance tonight, tomorrow night, and then we close up Saturday night. I've just been so thrilled by the outpouring of support from the folks all over the Willamette Valley coming to see this phenomenal work. And I will say that we had talkbacks when Maeve came out for the first weekend, and one of the things that really struck me was when Maeve discussed how she came up with the dialogue, because in reading Gatsby, there really isn't a lot of dialogue. We hear a lot of Nick's thoughts, and Nick talks about these conversations that he had, but never actually replays them in the book. And that is all Maeve's work. And she so captured F. Scott Fitzgerald or Zelda, depending on on Mm -hmm. the controversy, which side of that controversy you're on. That's uh, a whole different interview.
0: Yes, I don't want to get into that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Captured the words and the sound and the time and the meter and the rhythm so beautifully that it sounds exactly like the dialogue that F. Scott would have written himself. I'm very pleased.
0: Well, Mave and Lorianne, thanks so much for joining us in Cable today. Maeve, thanks for coming back to Cable, at least for our in-depth segment. Best of luck on the show and your careers going forward in the theater. Thank you. Yes,
1: thank you from the bottom of my heart. It is always such a pleasure.
0: We've been talking with playwright Maeve Z. O'Connor and director Lorianne Schmidt on their stage adaptation, of The Great Gatsby, currently in performance at the Albany Civic Theater, 111 First Avenue West in Albany, Oregon. There are three shows left in the run tonight, February 8th through this Saturday, February 10th at 730. If you can't be there in person, an on-demand streaming version is available through the end of the month. You can find out more online and purchase tickets if you like at albanycivic.org. This is Ken Jones for KBOOS News In-Depth.